Hi, I'm Terry, Instagram's sassy sober mum. Welcome to my podcast, Sober Stories from Everyday People, bringing you stories from people just like you and I. The aim of this podcast is to share our experiences with drinking and how we got and stayed successfully sober. Just before we jump into the episode this week, I wanted to share a little bit about the Thrive community that I run. It's a place where many like-minded women go to connect and share their experience with getting and staying successfully sober. There are different sections like the main Thrive community feed where people post about things that are up and coming or about challenges they're facing and they get incredible support from other members of the group. It really is a special, special place to be right now. There are also sections to share your milestones because every win, even the really small ones, are a big thing to celebrate and we acknowledge that. There are five events, there are the weekly Zoom recordings, so you can go back and see all the weekly Zoom meetings and all the topics that have been covered in those meetings at your own leisure. There's a share sober tips section and then there are group chats for the first 30 days, the first 100 days, the first year and over a year. There's a knowledge hub as well. And in the knowledge hub, you'll find a place for books and book recommendations. There's a section of how to survive the first 30 days. So if you come in completely brand new to getting sober, you can hit the ground running and find tools and information to get a structure set up for yourself from the outset. There's also my Thrive Sober program, there's a toolkit, there's understanding the brain science and a space to read and learn about all the topics under emotional sobriety, most of which have been written by myself. So come into Thrive. If you're thinking about it or you're lacking community, I would say just jump in and go for it and maybe we'll see you in there soon. Hello and welcome to Sober Stories from Everyday People. Today I'm chatting with Anit and he's in Hove in East Sussex. He has been sober eight years this coming Tuesday. What a wonderful achievement and a great milestone. Thank you so much for being here with me today. My pleasure, Terry. It's wonderful to be here. Oh, that's so nice. (laughs) Um, So why don't we get to know you a little bit? Why don't you tell us a bit about who you are, what you like doing, all that stuff? Sure, sure. So my name is Anit and I live in Hove on East Sussex on the seafront, uh, just next to Brighton. Um, I've been alcohol-free, it'll be eight years uh, next week. Um, And it's absolutely super to be here, absolutely super to be here and be you know, super to be part of the alcohol-free community and meeting the legend that is Sassy Sober Mum, uh, <laughs> finally in person or on camera. Uh, you know, there we are. Um, and yeah, a little bit about me. So I'm, uh, how old am I now? Gosh, I'm so old, I can't remember now. I'm 47. And um, 
So I'm, I'm proud to say that I haven't, I've been alcohol free all through my 40s. Um, really? What do I like doing? Um, so I work in marketing and PR um, and I live on a lovely, in a lovely flat on Hove Seafront and I love spending time with my girlfriend. We do hiking, lots of nice walks in the country, sampling lovely vegan comestibles um, because we're both plant-based and vegan, uh, lots of swimming, meditation, uh, the arts, movies, theatre, creative writing, um, and trying to give back to the alcohol-free community, I think is, um, is uh, yeah, uh, one of the best things. And then uh, also love traveling abroad to Spain, uh, where, you know, my partner and I are currently looking to buy a place uh, mm-hmm. out there. Um, and yeah, and just, I love endurance hiking in the countryside, um, and uh, so in my spare time, I've raised money for children's charities, doing 100K hikes, 60K hikes, nonstop. So I'm a big fan of like long hikes in the country. Um, and none of this, none of the, what I've described just now uh, would have been achievable or possible or enjoyable without being alcohol free. <laughs> oh, God, it sounds like you've got the most amazing life. <laughs> all the things that I love as well like getting in nature and yeah Yeah. just sounds amazing I get a bit regularly obsessed with plant-based diet I am not plant-based myself but I feel like at some point in my life that I I will probably get there because I I don't know why I just I feel really fascinated by all the documentaries and reading things (laughs) and and all of the stories of how um people have turned their health around and I watched a really old documentary the other day and you may have seen it actually um it got, it's, the tight the title it's not it's got something with forks and knives in it does it ring any bells I, it doesn't that one doesn't ring any bells actually oh no one, I can't believe I can't remember it but yeah. basically it's it's a, a documentary that's probably about 10 years old now And there were several people in the documentary that were on all these different types of pills, you know, for cholesterol and heart and just, you know, all the pills. And uh, they went to this kind of, at the time, quite radical plant doctor who was a doctor as well, but had obviously studied um, food as medicine. And within six months, these people had like totally turned their health around. They completely stopped their pills overnight. And they'd lost loads of weight. They looked really healthy. They looked so much younger. And it was just like, isn't that amazing that food just on its own can make that difference? It really can. It really can. And, you know, my girlfriend and I, you know, um, we went vegan for the animals, but we also eat very healthily. Apart from weekends, Saturday nights, we can enjoy a good curry. But um, And honestly, the, the benefits... Um, are incredible um yeah and it, it really is and uh just you know um and there's so many there's so much variety as well yeah. it's just so wonderful it's just, it's just another color to my alcohol-free journey um yeah. actually so you know it's been in the last three years i've been doing this so it's like a, just another quantum leap in my alcohol-free journey so why don't you describe what was your life with alcohol like take us back to the beginning so um Basically, life with alcohol, I I consider myself, you know, quite shy and an introvert. And basically, and when I was growing up in West London, Indian household, uh, I was very happy, had a good childhood with my family, very small circle of friends. 
Um, and, you know, as I got older, then went into the world, like university and things, um, you know, because I was quite shy and I was sort of, when I was younger, I was overweight and, you know, slightly clumsy and just awkward, etc. And I'm happy with that because I'm clumsy, awkward and, you know, now, uh, but I'm just, just cool with it. And, uh, um, and, you know, so, um, alcohol just was this very easy thing to, everyone was doing it and it was just very easy to, you know, have a couple of drinks and become the life and soul of the party mm. or mask actually not really be the life and soul yes. of the party to be honest. Yeah. Um, and you know, all of a sudden I was popular and had friends and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but unfortunately I wasn't really myself and through my sort of university then twenties, um, alcohol again was used as a if I really think about it now, I look at my happiest times in the 20s, in my 20s and 30s, and they were actually without alcohol. They were actually when I was really relaxing at home uh, or in nature or spending time with my mum and sister in London or watching a movie, doing things I loved. All the other noise, the, the bars, the clubs, the pubs, you know, all of that I consider noise now. I really do. Mm-hmm. And... And anyway, so alcohol was that initially. And then because I used it to celebrate, I used it to commiserate, and I used it for all of the things. And when I was stressed, um, because I wasn't really being my true self, as time went on, dealing with like difficult jobs or situations, um, and basically because I was like really repressing, I think, my true self and emotions you know, I was having relationship issues with friends, etc. or, and alcohol was the cause of, but then solution to mm. those issues. And, yeah. And it, it escalated, uh, into weekend use into Thursday night after mm. work into Monday night, wine at home mm. in summary. And then that became a daily thing. Um, I put on weight, uh, I was eating junk food um I still managed to keep down a job and function etc um I was a heavy smoker as well Mm. um and I got to like 23 stone basically um and I was hideously sort of unhappy Mm. um and lots of uh lots of attempts to kind of give up here and there day ones etc a few months off here or there um anyway I was really unhappy um, and using alcohol as a crutch, and it became a daily use um, in my late 30s. Um, and it, it got to the stage where I mentioned I love going to the cinema. I got to the stage where I couldn't have a few drinks before going to the cinema, even sneak off during the movie, you know, pretend to go to the toilet, you know, have a quick sniff to go back and watch the movie. Even, you know, Sunday afternoons going to the cinema I had to be go to the pub beforehand, etc. It, 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 that's the level that it escalated to. Um, anyway, what happened was on the August the 20th, 2015, I was in between work and I went on holiday to Malta and I went to this all-inclusive resort. And um, anyway, on the first night, um, I... Well, I drank on the plane. I drank at the hotel on the first night. I did something that was really regretful. Um, and basically, I just 
carried on drinking. And then the whole week was an absolute mess where I drank from the minute I got up in the morning, all afternoon, I'd sleep, I'd get up. I didn't leave the resorts and it was an all-inclusive resort. Um, and basically, um, I get, would get up in the morning uh, in the hotel and my hands were shaking. And I'd really crossed that threshold. Uh, my body was physically rejecting, you know, water, um, brushing my teeth. I was feeling ill. I managed to get through it by just having another drink because it was an all-inclusive hotel and there was a mini bar. And then on two days away from leaving, um, I was sat at the bar and uh, the barmaid, her name was Loriana, came up to me in this hotel in Malta. And she just sat down and said, how are you today, sir? I said, I'm good. Do you remember the conversations we've had this week? And I said, not really. Um, and long story short, she said, you're a lovely guy. When you come down here, like early-ish, you're a lovely man. And then I see you just wander off and you just change and you just sit there. And she said, basically, that she used to have a problem with alcohol. And she could see that I've got a serious problem with alcohol. And that, you know, this is not going to end well. Um, and she said, the reason I've got so much water in my room was because she'd been arranging all this water in my room. Wow. I didn't even know this. And um, so basically on my final night, she sat there, she got me food. She explained to me, you know, how much damage one glass of wine can do. Um, and I was still drinking at this point because I, I couldn't stop drinking because mm. I would just start shaking. Anyway, um, she said, are you packed? Have you got your boarding pass? She helped me pack. She sorted me out. She put me in a taxi the next morning. Um, and I, by some miracle, I flew back uh, from Malta. I still don't know how I did it, but Loriana really got me through, kept topping me up with water, made sure I ate whilst I was drinking and, you know, things like that. We had a good old chat about her story, et cetera. And um, anyway, uh, by some miracle, I flew back. On the uh, morning of the 28th, um, my last drink was at the bar with Loriana um, on August the 27th, 2015. Uh, woke up at sort of 5 a.m. on the 28th. Um, felt pretty awful, but managed to get dressed, have a shower. I'd already packed, got the taxi to the airport, um, got on the plane, got back to Hove, um, and then I slept. Then I woke up and I felt awful. I was shaking through my sleep. I was hallucinating, etc. Um, and then got to the, um, evening, um, about, I don't know, five-ish. I landed quite early. I landed like, like nine, 10 in the morning, got to five-ish and I was just a right mess. So I got a taxi to the health clinic in Brighton and, uh, basically, uh, I explained to them what had happened. Uh, in summary, the nurse put me on a drip and said, you've been through alcohol withdrawal. So, um, but you're over it now. I explained when my last drink was, she said, you've been through it by some miracle you survived. You're not supposed to do it like that. Um, and 
I was in there for about an hour. They gave me a cup of tea, put me on a drip, drank some water, said, gave me a leaflet and basically said, you know, uh, if you've had withdrawal before, um, you know, if you drink again, you can have it again. You could get the DTs, you could get, a, you know, delirium tremens, you could have a heart attack. Um, obviously, I was very overweight. So I've been drinking for a long time, uh, for, for a long period of time, over years. Um, so I got in this taxi um, and it was about seven-ish now and was driving along the seafront in Brighton back to my flat in Hove. I remember it quite vividly. The sun was setting and uh, the seafront looked beautiful. And I thought, how beautiful does this seafront look? And yet I am. So I was crying in the back of the car. And, you know, the taxi driver asked me what was wrong. And I said, oh, you know, I've got a serious problem here. Um, I think I'm an alcoholic. And um, although I don't use that term now, but at the time I said, you know, I think I'm an alcoholic and just been in hospital or the health clinic. And uh, the taxi driver said to me, um, what you might be today, you do not have to be tomorrow. Oh, what a legend. Absolutely. Yeah. So he parked up outside the flat. I got home, showered, shaved, managed to make myself look respectable. It was about half eight, nine now, and it was getting dark. Uh, it was a lovely summer's night, lovely summer's night. And um, really warm, I remember it. So uh, I was starving hungry by now, starving hungry by now. So I went to the pub. So I walked into the pub, into the Hove place up the road from me, and I ordered one glass of red wine and one soda water. So I paid for the red wine and the soda water, and I sat down and looked at them, and I gave the red wine to the local guy. His name was Jeff. Um, in his 60s, the local bar fly. And I said, would you like that? And he said, oh, thank you. He said, you're not having it? He said, no, I'm not having it. So I then grabbed my soda water, went to the beer garden, drank that, ordered a takeaway curry, got the curry, went home and watched a movie. And that was, um, yeah, that was the evening of the August the 28th. Um, mm-hmm. And I came back and I had my dinner and then I put the shirts that I'd had. Uh, I had a nosebleed before I went to hospital. So that sh- the white shirt I was wearing had a bit of blood in it. I put it in the washing machine, um, had a shower, went to bed. And then I woke up August the 29th. And uh, that's my day one. Wow. And then I've been alcohol-free ever since. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, it's so funny, like, the way that you smile when you say that. Obviously, people can't yeah. see that, but... You know, I I appreciate that the story of your the end of your drinking life, if you like, you know, there's you can see that there is sadness around that in your face. But then when you get to your 28th, it's like your your face is alight and happy. Um, So that yeah, what an amazing story and and a couple of key things there, I think. Loriana, what a total legend. That's um, a legend, yeah. You know, it's funny how people pop up for us sometimes. It's like the universe, the universe is there to help, you know, but a lot of the time we don't either see it or receive, you know, receive it in some way. But Loriana was there and the taxi driver, I mean, what a what a what a brilliant, what a brilliant kind of 
thing to say in that moment that, yeah, okay, you're here in this moment today, but tomorrow can be different. And it's just, it's it's so simple, but it's like, it's quite life-changing. It, it really is. It really is. And and that's the, you know, and, and I've always thought to myself, you know, you know, when I got home that night, I thought to myself, actually, part of every journey is the end, but part of every end is a new beginning. And, you know, thinking about Loriana and the taxi driver and all the messages I'd had from the universe over the years mm. of, you know, going back around to when I felt my happiest was without alcohol. And all of that culminated, I think, in, you know, those angels, Loriana, the taxi driver, the actual, you know, holiday of going to Malta, potentially, if I'd not actually gone to that yeah. holiday and really got to that extreme i could still be bumbling around right now yeah in the mess i mean to be fair not to be too histrionic i'd probably be dead by now the way i was going uh i'm not sure my body could have lasted you know with the weight and the amount of alcohol and junk food i was eating but you know even if i even if it survived that because I was 39 and I feel fresher and younger now than I was at 47 now when I was 39 mm. um but you know if you look at before before and after photos of me on my insta handle um you know uh if I was managed to be alive um you know it would not be a good life and and potentially you know I think about fate and why things happened for a reason is that if I'd not gone to Malta and got into that spiral, mm. I could be bumping around right now in that that really sort of that state. Yeah, um, you know, it's quite frightening, yeah. isn't it, when you do that, um, when you yeah. reflect on that, and and I always think that, yeah, it's it's just I, I feel so grateful. <laughs> that I am where I am because of yeah. all the mistakes that I've made or because of the difficult things that might have happened to me that shaped who I am. You know, I do, yeah. do feel grateful for, for that. And I feel grateful for my, my big lows in the last few yes. years of my drinking really. Um, totally. And I didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't get to the stage where I did drink every day or if, you know, I did that, you know, where I would let sort of wake up and need it, but I do believe it's a slippery slope. And I do think that it can happen to anybody and it can happen to you. It can happen to yeah. any of you listening. You know, it's, it doesn't discriminate. Alcohol is extremely addictive. It's designed to make you addicted. Um, yeah. And it, it's also pushed on you every five minutes of your life, you know, you can't even watch a television program without, without, alcohol. you know, it's just everywhere. Um, everywhere. And so, you know, it's just, I just find it. Yeah. It's just, it's just kind of bizarre, isn't it? It's that, that sort of like that relationship with drinking and just it getting to that point where one minute you're just drinking at the weekend, then it becomes midweek and weekend. Then it becomes daily then it becomes I can't get out of bed without it. I mean, that kind of must almost slowly but really quickly morph into, you know, into one, that whole period. It's like you don't – I don't have any recollection of, for me, my drinking twists and turns. Like when did I go from weekend binge drinking to weekend and midweek or 
weekend midweek to four and five nights a week like it's just you know and I'm lucky I stopped right because because for me how do you really know I've I either had a really long painful life of trying to moderate which which I think is just miserable like like why do people want to moderate seriously it there's no joy in that world and you're constantly watching what you drink and hoping next time it won't be mental and and you know the ratio whatever it is it's so many times in every 10 it will be mental <laughs> you will drink too much yeah. and you will say the wrong thing and you have to deal with that um so the options are moderation um obviously stopping or maybe progressing to the place that you got to but you know it's just it's just it, it, unless you stop it doesn't end well I don't think I think so in moderation you know I went through periods of you know where you know in my sort of 20s and 30s where I wouldn't drink in the week because of work etc but it was just a loop where you'd then go and binge drink on the weekend and all the un, 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 all the good work you may have done in the week mm. working wise diet wise money wise French, it all came undone and it would all eventually become undone because, you know, the thing is, is that if you've got something, you know, I find that, you know, positive motion leads to positive emotion. And that includes what you eat, what you ingest. If you ingest something that's negative, like a poison and a carcinogen, which alcohol is, mm. obviously that's kind of detrimental effects. And if you keep that kind of thing in your life, it will undermine all the positive elements. Mm. Um, and I think that's what moderation is, is, you know, why would you keep the beast in? And, you know, um, and as you say, you know, well, for me, you know, being alcohol free is just, I, I would not change it for the world. Honestly, it's mm. the best feeling, even when I'm feeling tired or unwell and blah 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 I'm still thinking actually I feel amazing because yeah. I'm not hungover yeah totally it's weird isn't it it's nice to talk to somebody further on than me because I always feel like that never goes away that never feeling goes. of be feeling constantly grateful I think that's the magic that sobriety gives you because you've got that reference point of how shit things were before that you're always grateful, even in, you know, e even when you don't feel 100%, which is rare, right? When you're not drinking and like you say, sort of looking after yourself, you feel well most of the time. It's only that once a year if you maybe get a cold or if, you, you know, maybe even not even once a year. It certainly isn't a weekly thing. You know, you don't have that weekly um just hangover grogginess and fatigue and that just feeling of running you know being in that suboptimal state you just don't have it so you feel yeah. well all the time when you do feel unwell it's such a shock you're like oh my god yeah. my body's not feeling right at the moment and I'm not used to this feeling but at least this is only a few days and thank and then it's like that thought comes up thank god I, I don't feel like this all the time anymore and and also what I think I found the most important thing is that if you do feel unwell, you know it's not a hangover. Yeah. You know it's not and you know what it is and you can mitigate against it. I feel this, I feel tired, I feel hungry, mm -hmm. I feel like I've got a cold, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna rest, I'm drink some orange juice, 
I go for a brisk walk, I'll rest tonight, blah, blah, blah. And mm. it's so, it just, the clarity is untrue. Mm. Um, and, you know, you really get the tool. And, you know, yeah, as you say, you know, it, it never, that never gets old. It never, ever gets old. Waking up on a Saturday morning, completely hangover free. Waking up on a Sunday morning, completely hangover free never gets old it's the most best feeling it is it is just knowing that you've got the day or the weekend ahead of you and the whole day can be stretched out to easily include all the things that you want to achieve and not only that you'll do most of them with a smile on your face you know and, and 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 or even if you're feeling stressed or there is things going on in your life that aren't brilliant it's not the same as just wasting the whole day desperately trying to get through get to the end of it so that it can just be tomorrow quickly i mean that's not a way to live it's not and you know that whole thing about actually you know get through the week so i can get to the pub friday night that's yeah. no way to live no you know so then i've got the weekend work Work really hard, save up all your money so you can go on holiday so you can just go and drink from the airport and then yeah. spend the holiday, you know, coming back, sunburnt, hungover, and spent loads of money and potentially annoyed some of your friends or they've annoyed you because, you know, there seemed to be some argy-bargy because everyone's drunk too much. Yeah. Um, you know, I see that now, you know, with work colleagues and things, and they're always a bit sheepish when they've come back from holiday because – you know, they've gone and drunk too much and it's never been, you know. Um, yeah, and there's always that, you know, I think with alcohol, there's always that variable and that variable will always eventually turn to the negative because alcohol is a negative, yeah. you see. So, you know, it, the dial will always shift um, and... Yeah, and as you say, we can compare it to that and we know this is just so much better. Yeah, so much. And so what was it like then? I appreciate it's a while ago now, although you remember all of that with great clarity. So maybe you do remember, you know, the beginning of of, of stopping drinking. What yeah. did you do to support yourself? Because it was eight years ago, right? And I I stopped drinking four and a bit years ago and there was a good amount of sober stuff online not anywhere near like what you get now there was a few podcasts and things back then which is great there wasn't anything in the way of alcohol-free drinks apart from bex blue which was pretty rubbish to be honest but sorry bex um and but, you know, eight years ago, what did that landscape look like and how did you get through those early months without drinking? Yeah, so so navigation of that landscape. The first thing I decided to do was let's let's understand the enemy. Let's let's really know the enemy and see what's what's happening here. So I started really researching alcohol and what it actually was, because I was actually fascinated by I thought I'm gonna take a curious approach to this. And, you know, start my sort of new life. So I 
I didn't, uh, I'll be honest with you, I didn't delve into sort of like the sober alcohol-free community, the sober community. I didn't really know that existed, to be honest. Um, and I'll come on to that when I sort of discovered that. Um, and so what I did was I sort of learned about alcohol. Then I thought a lot about culture and, you know, uh, cultural makeup of alcohol. And in Britain, alcohol and booze and things like that is, you know, just the pub, et cetera. It's, you know, interdependent. It's entwined. So I had some relatives who lived in Karachi and in sort of Pakistan. So I went to see them and I spent time in cultures. Um, my family, family heritage is Indian, but they're sort of like, you know, the Muslim side of the country, uh, the family. So I went to see them and I spent time in cultures that don't drink, in countries that don't drink. Then I went to Nepal for a few days and I went and to, you know, went and did some meditation up in a retreat, met some sort of, you know, kind of religious folk there who again spoke to them about spirituality and meditation and actually living without alcohol, learned about a lot about those societies. So I really got away from it all for those two, three weeks because I was in between jobs, thankfully. I had a contract starting in the, the end of October. So that was about sort of like, you know, late September. Uh, so that was like, so before that, I really got curious. I really detoxed. I really ate healthily. I cleaned my flat. I planned the trip, went on the trip, you know, um, met my relatives, stayed in a nice hotel, really enjoyed the vegetarian Asian food there. Again, the hiking, all the lovely chai tea. Ooh, I love you know, chai. yeah, like so good. So, so good. Um, but I remember walking down the streets in like, you know, nine at night and it was boiling hot and getting a haircut and drinking chai tea and just thinking, this is amazing. And oh. what, I really, what I really loved about it was that it was Saturday night and there's all these folk all dressed up, all having a fab time, mums, dads, kids, families, not single drink in sight, just going out for meals, walking around the city. You know, it was incredible, really. And that was so powerful to be in that culture and that environment. Um, so then I got back and I had that wonderful holiday. Then I had to prepare for work. Right, I'm going back into the, I'm going back into the land now. And yeah. I'm going back, you know, um, I I did some really kind of proper life admin. I'd lost a bit of weight. I was exercising. I tidied my flat. I got my finances in order. And then I went back to work. And, and what I did during that process was that I really sort of got in touch through sort of my, my meditation and things. I really got in touch with who I was before alcohol took over. And I really then realized that actually I'm a bit introverted. Um, I love, you know, nature. I love spending time on my own. I love movies and I love reading about movies and things like that and you know um and I really got in touch with those hobbies that I did love doing that I didn't have time to do uh, you know I love swimming I love swimming um in swimming pools and I started going swimming again and I used to be a member of a gym but I just stopped doing that because I was too hungover mm. and I really tapped into so my advice for anyone in their first hundred days is really tap into who you were before it took took over. Really understand the culture you live in. And you might come from a family. And I appreciate it. it's so difficult. Like my mum and sister, they don't drink alcohol. 
um, which is great. So my my family culture is 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 really sort of positive because there's yeah. no alcohol involved at all. But mm. others, it might be. Hence, mm. that's why I went out to because my friendship circle at the time was very much alcohol heavy. Mm. You know, most of the people I hung out with was just to drink with. I didn't really know them. They didn't really know me. Uh, you know, it, I'm. You know, I didn't really make any true friends. I've still got a few really great friends from the old days who I had more in common with them. Actually, the ones I, I'm still friends with, our relationship was never based on alcohol. Yeah. You know, it was based on sort of hanging out, going on walks, going to movies, etc. Those friends, those true friends have remained. The others are the ones who've dissipated. And they're lovely human beings. It's, you know, it's no state mm-hmm. against them. It's just we have different vision values and cultures and different vibes basically because they still mm-hmm. love going down the pub and that kind of thing yeah um and you know so really get in tune with that and i've got more in common with myself at the age of 15 16 to 18 than i do with a person from 18 to 39 and and i think what i'm saying in a very sort of long-winded way sorry is that basically there will if you really look back or if you really reflect on where you are and if you really want to make a change on your alcohol uh, consumption, there'll be a point where there was a, a transition from when it was fun to when you're at conflicts with yourself. Mm. And before that, there was a life where alcohol wasn't a conflict or it wasn't in your life much. And that could have been when you were 15, 16, 17. Yes. I was going to say, it could be teenage for a lot of people, but... Yeah. Yeah. And and it was teenage for me. Yeah. And it's actually, there was a point in my life where I did not need alcohol to mm. be happy, be funny, be laugh, to go out. And, you know, and that's fundamentally still possible. Mm. I heard a quote... Uh... I think it was on the podcast uh, with uh, Dr. Rangan Chatterjee. Uh, I can't remember the actual name of the podcast. Feel better, live more or live well, something like that. Anyway, I really like it. And he was talking about alcohol in one of his episodes. And he was saying, he said a quote that was, you know, this at the time, there's 7 billion people in the world and half of those people don't drink alcohol. And Absolutely. so what do you think that that three and a half billion people are doing? Do you think they're all in a room feeling depressed? They're not. They're out, they're, not. they're living life, they've got full joy, and alcohol is a nothing in their life. And alcohol is a nothing in your life when you're a child. You know, you think about how much joy and happiness children feel. Okay, fair enough, they haven't got jobs and bills and <laughs> all yeah, that yeah, stuff, yeah. most of them anyway. Um, but... You know, but still, I think what, you know, what you're saying is so right. And it's about connecting with the things that you loved when you were younger as a child that might have been drawing or painting or running or playing tennis or swimming for medals. You know, whatever the things were, you know, perhaps it was crocheting or, you know, playing outside in nature, whatever it is, see if you can reconnect with those things because those are the things that you love in your core that have just been left to hibernate whilst you drink and bumble through life, essentially. Absolutely, absolutely. And being out in that culture and seeing all of that, you know, I thought exactly the same thing. There's so many cultures out there and, you know, people right now, you know, it's, 
nine o'clock somewhere and they're not having alcohol they're just living life and that's you know that became my mantra it's a party sober and uh you know that's why I keep saying that you know um and yeah and that was that was the first first three months really and you know a lot of other good stuff was happening there as well I love it it sounds like you just sort of instinctively knew how to hold your own hand through that process and it was that it was a process of rediscovery. You know, it's like, how can I rediscover what I love, who I really am? And I think that's amazing. Like not, you know, not everybody has that experience going into not drinking. And in some ways, you know, thanks to you or to to your cultures and the things that you were able to be exposed to in those early days as well, you know, it, 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 it gave you a route through, which sounds like it was actually really rewarding. Were, were there any challenging parts to it that you remember or in the first kind of, doesn't have to be the first hundred days, like what about when you stretch that out a bit longer, maybe the first year, like what what did you find difficult, if anything? So I think um, I think I was so kind of, because I, I, I sort of designed my own behavioral change program, I really understood about, my behaviors, et cetera, why I was drinking, the inner issues, et cetera, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And we talked about the cultural impacts, et cetera. And I felt so healthy that the actual going alcohol-free wasn't challenging. I think the challenging things came after where I had to unpick, you know, like we spoke about the friendship circle that I had before. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the challenging things there for me were to kind of like step away from that and mm. you know and having been a people pleaser all my life you know through alcohol not really finding myself mm. um you know basically um i had to say goodbye to some people um because you know uh i for the, my first year i still socialized i was still going to the pub and things mm. and but what happened was over the course of that period i just literally sat there thinking I'm quite bored now and I don't really, I don't really know these people. Yeah. And, you know, um, and they don't really know me. We didn't really have much to say to each other, to be honest. Mm. Um, and then, you know, after about an hour, they just obviously start talking gibberish because, you know, they've had a few drinks, et cetera. Mm. Mm. And, you know, then, you know, um, and, and then I thought, I don't want to be in this environment. I don't like being around drunk people. Um, you know, and yeah, I can't believe for the first year I was going to like, you know, I went to Vegas on a stag do for five days um, and things like that. Mm. And, uh, you know, um, and I had a lovely time wandering around and going sightseeing and stuff. But when I was with them, I thought this is quite boring. So the challenge there really was to kind of to rewrite really my community yeah. and my, you know, sort of like my friendship yeah. uh, zone. Um, and also it's kind uh, of it's, it's it's redefining the definition of fun isn't it it's yes. essentially and I think people do struggle with that you know it comes up a lot that people they do struggle with the transition of feeling confident that it's okay to not find 
the drinking activity is fun anymore. Like they're not yeah. fun. When you're not drinking, it's just not fun. It, it's, it's fun, fun for drinkers and drinkers will make you feel like, or will perhaps try to make you feel like you're not fun. But the reality is that it, it's just not your version of fun anymore. And it's about finding confidence and peace in that and letting it go. Yeah, that's it. You've articulated it beautifully. Um, and it, it was that. And I think that in the first year, um, and, you know, I got to 2017 um, and I was in the start of my sort of second year. And that's when I really started going, actually, I don't really want to go to pubs now or nightclubs mm-hmm. or anything like that. Um, and yeah. And then, but then I think that was a springboard into the new opportunities and the new realms. Um, and then that's what led me to actually discover the online sober community. Um, and, you know, um, and then that led to making, you know, some of the best friends I've ever had, uh, ever. Uh, and, um, and also meeting my, my beloved girlfriend, my partner. So, um, who I met through an alcohol free group. So, um, yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. So that's the the life I had now. It laid the foundation. So that unwiring, as difficult as it was, again, like I said earlier, part of the journey is the end. Mm. But then, you know, that end leads to a new beginning. And, you know, again, that was a quantum leap where by 2015 to 2017, I still went out to pubs and things. And then I realized that this isn't fun. Why did I do this all the time? But it was a learning learning journey, and then yes. that was sort of like deconstructed. Yes. Um, and and I found that the biggest difference between being alcohol free and you know having alcohol in your life is, you know, sobriety is constructive, whereas alcohol is deconstructive. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's been a real sort of like help to me to sit down and think about motivation. Think well. What do I want in life? I want to construct things. I want to construct a good life, a safe life, a happy life. Mm. And, you know, there's, you know, one thing I really recommend for people is any goals and aspirations and wishes you've got, write them down Mm. and then really ask yourself, will alcohol really enable that or will it undermine that? Mm. And if you're in this space where you're questioning your alcohol life and your alcohol consumption, I was a betting man you know if you really have got these hopes and dreams you'll find that they they don't add value to that Mm. and the areas which you're worried about about having fun and things like that as we've just said actually you will discover those natural forms of fun and they will come in time they will come And and it's the same with friends as well you know I I think it's easy to go into sobriety feeling like I don't have any sober friends and and that's a bit lonely and like you say that there are online communities that can bridge that gap temporarily but it's also like sober friends or new friends will come you will attract those people into your life and it may not happen straight away but they will definitely come and I think sometimes it's just about baby steps you know don't don't expect everything to happen in two months you know let let things unfold let things play out a bit 
and let the learning happen and then let your eyes be open to these new things that will come your way you know have that have that blind faith that things will work themselves out i do think you need a a good helping of blind faith in this process because you're essentially going into an area into a zone that you may you probably have never been in before you've probably not had any proper sobriety especially any emotional sobriety in your life before because if you'd got emotionally sober before you wouldn't have been drinking again and be getting sober again so it's like you've got to allow yourself to kind of be able to design what that looks like but also realize and accept that you might not be able to see it until you're there and you just have to go forward believing it will happen yeah you know sometimes that really resonates with me terry because you know sometimes you know when you find a path basically the path becomes the path if that makes sense yeah it doesn't become the path until you're on it sort of thing and it's like you don't see it yeah in front of you yeah. And my father always used to say, and I really sort of used to take this as a mantra that, you know, sometimes you've got to take the leap of faith and the trust comes later. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's that's the thing. And I think, you know, self-compassion and loving yourself, you know, through this journey is key. Um, and, you know, as I said earlier, positive emotions and positive motion leads to positive outcome. So leave guilt and shame behind because they're negative feelings, they're negative emotions, you you know, take learnings, take solace, take, you know, take um, solitude and again, compassion and use that to heal and then springboard yourself onto, you know, visualize who you want to be, then manifest it. Mm. And, you know, through a clear mind, you know, an alcohol free mind that really will empower you. And every day is like a gift, you know, even if mm-hmm. things are difficult of life isn't, you know, um, and every day is like a gift because you, you've got that clarity. Yeah. Um, and, you know, again, if everything around you that you can't control is not going right, the one things you can, you know, the some things you can control, what I eat, what I drink, what I feel, what I think, mm-hmm. you know, you can control those. Um and, you know, basically, don't lose yourself to alcohol to control you. Yeah. And, you know, um, don't let it sort of like dictate to you your mood. Mm. Um, and whenever I've had people ask me about, oh, I get cravings and I, I feel like this and things, I said, well, who, you know, who do you want to be in charge of your life? Do you want to be in charge of your life? Do you, you know, do you want to sort of determine that? And, you know, ask yourself, you know, if you were to pick up that drink, is that going to enable that? How's that going to make you feel? Really remember why you're here. Yeah. Um, and being alcohol-free really reminds you of why you're here, you know, um, and you're here for your loved ones, you're here for your health, you're here for your enjoying life, all the gratitude of the simple things. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's, it's a really wonderful, humbling experience. Yeah. It is. It is humbling. It's there's something there's something special, I think, in learning how to fall in love with sim- more simple things. Yeah, um, really? Yeah. 
Yeah. And also, I, I describe, um, you know, uh, although Sue, my girlfriend, is the love of my life, um, but I do describe that this whole eight years has been falling in love with myself as well. Yeah, um, totally. You know, and it's like, you know, um, it, it is, uh, and it's been, you know, Rebecca, great rom-con, uh, you know, just me dating myself, <laughs> just things like that. So, you know, uh, all the banter and things like that. So, you know, who's paying the bill, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I always think as well, it, you know, you learn how to, in, in, in the process of not drinking and kind of rediscovering who you really are and how to accept all the parts of yourself, um, yeah. which, I, which I do think is, is, is hard to do when you're drinking. Uh, but I think that you learn how to self-validate, you know, and it's, that is so powerful. It's empowering. You don't need any external validation anymore you can completely validate yourself and i don't know if there is a better place to be than that if i'm being honest um really really do agree just before we wrap up uh can you tell me what your top three tips would be on getting or staying successfully sober always remember why you're here if you if you're in this space if you're in this space and you're questioning your relationship with alcohol mm. and you've made that change or you want to make that change, really dig deep and just outline that core objective. If you didn't, if you weren't questioning it, then you wouldn't be here. So always go that self compassion and self love. Not not you know if you feel a negative emotion, ask yourself if you're feeling guilt and shame, and then that goes, fuck it, I'm just going to press the fuck it button and drink again. Mm. Just say to yourself, if you twisted that on its head and used a positive thing about self-love and compassion, so rather than feeling guilt and shame, think about learning and development and evolution. And that will help empower you to stay alcohol-free or go alcohol-free. And the third one, I think, is really find your, find your community. Mm. You know, find that community and you know um and even though i didn't find my community until uh march 2018 um i look back on it now and even though i was happy at the time because i was happy discovering myself you know it was quite a lonely place to be actually because i was on my own mm. you know after i sort of like deconstructed that old friendship circle yeah um then i found the alcohol free community and I made the best friends ever, met the love of my life. And I'm seeing uh, those guys, actually, I'm seeing my best friends on uh, Sunday. I'm seeing my partner this weekend. Um, and, uh, yeah, and find that community. Find your vibe. Find those who resonate with you. And you'll see you're not alone. Uh, and you will see that there is a life beyond any substances. Mm. Any Any substances that mess with your chemical and mental well-being are not mm. good things yeah you know and re really sort of understand that and sort of like really that top tip about actually that control and if you really really think about it something that ingesting a chemical that messes with your brain chemistry that is not a good thing you know that is not, not a good thing at all it? it's not and, you know, I, that, you know, and I go back to the words of Loriana, that barmaid. Um, 
you don't know how much damage one glass of wine can do. The World Health Organization has classed alcohol as a carcinogen. Yeah. And I think my final top tip, these aren't three, by the way, these are about 17 top tips. But I think my final, my final top tip is let's circle back around to that lovely taxi driver. And if you're, if anyone listening here is in a place they don't want to be, uh, or they find themselves in a quagmire and they can't get out, I'll say it before and I'll say it again. You know, you know what you might be today, you do not have to be tomorrow. Oh, I love that. It's such a lovely way to end. It's such a great quote. Well done, that taxi driver. You know who you are if you're listening. You know, you know who you are. You know who you are. I'm sorry I didn't tip you. You know, because the alcohol free is not tight. Where can we find you, Anit? Where, where, where? Um, what's your? Are you on Instagram? I'm on Instagram. I'm at uh, my handle is at Crouching Cider Hidden Wagon. Oh my god! I love that. Crouching Cider Hidden Wagon. Yeah. There we go. That definitely stands out. Um, yeah. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for your story. It's lovely to speak to somebody that, well, I say that bit further in, you're quite quite a lot of the way in actually, but you know, more than a few months or even a few years, it's great to get the perspective. It's been brilliant to see the way that you're, you know, there's many twists and turns in your story. So much of it is positive. So much of it is inspirational. Um, and, you know, I, yeah, I'm, I'm truly grateful for you coming on and also doing it for the men as well. And, and, and that's, you know, hugely important getting the male voices on this show. I'm, I'm always so grateful for that. So thank you. Thank you, Terry. And also just to say what an absolute legend you are and the amazing work you do. Uh, and, you know, you you give so much to the alcohol-free community and it really makes a difference. And, you know, it's just it's just lovely to see. And, um, and yeah, and I just wanted to say to everybody, just like, you know, go out there. I'm wearing a T-shirt that actually says, keep calm and party sober. Just, you <laughs> party know, party sober, sober. Love it. And thank you to everybody else. Thank you for your support. Uh, until next time, goodbye. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you're interested in being a guest, please contact me directly on Instagram by sending a message to at Sassy Sober Mum. You can also find helpful tools and resources on my website, sassysobermum.com. If you enjoyed the podcast and you want to spread the love, please like, share and rate the podcast. I really look forward to next time. See you then.